Well, if that's the case, then the journey has been the life, the destination. You don't live the destination. You live the journey. That's where you breathe in what what you find to be just and pure and loving and kind and supportive of those things that bring about awakening. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you are all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12-step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. From deep in the heart of Texas, here from Studio A, that was the voice of our friend once more, Mr. Earl H., that you heard on this here episode number 247, which we're calling The Journey is the Destination, and you're going to be hearing so much more from Earl H. in just a moment, but first things first, I uh, gotta keep in mind I've been on the road for a while and I'm just now catching up with uh, several of these uh, contributions, so we want to go ahead and recognize this episode is being brought to you by Catherine and Eileen, Martin, Sean, Marie, Michelle, David, Kate, Anna, Terry, Kurt, and Todd, what, pray tell, did Kurt and, excuse me, did Catherine and Eileen and Martin and Sean and Marie and Michelle and David and Kate and Anna and Terry and Kurt and Todd do to deserve such a recognition? Well, they went to our website, SoberSpeak.com. They clicked on the little yellow tab and they made a, a contribution. So thank you so much, Catherine and Eileen and Martin and Sean and Marie and Michelle and David and Kate and Anna and Terry and Kurt and Todd. This episode is coming right out to Ewan's. We appreciate it. So uh, I, John M., just another bozo on the bus, will indeed be the chairperson for this meeting between meetings. And I am truly honored and privileged to serve all of you listening in. So take a seat, if you will, around this virtual table and let's get started. So I just got back from a little uh, vacation with my uh, family. Uh, we had a good uh, week away, and uh, uh, it was very enjoyable. But I'm kind of, uh, um, I'm not the best vacationer. I get a little bored a little quick. I know that's not really a good thing. I should be able to relax and just enjoy it. Now, I had a lot of good memories with my family, and I'm so glad I went. And I know they really enjoyed it. Uh, we went to uh, Florida, uh, but I am uh, uh, glad to be back here. Here at the helm 
of the microphone, and uh, I enjoy it. It is definitely one of my uh, happy places, as I've mentioned before, when I get off track and my mind uh, seems to go in too many different directions. This helps me to keep focused, and uh, I know that I'm doing... I don't know what you want to call it. It's just like when you go to a meeting, right? And you know that, uh, or, or you pick up that phone with another alcoholic calls and you have a conversation with them and uh, and it just feels like, you know, I was doing the right thing. And, and that's the same kind of a feeling that I get when I come to do this. All right, so we have a ton of listener feedback that I'm getting caught up on. So uh, in order to uh, make it so not so heavy on the back end, I got a couple of pieces of uh, feedback that I want to put here on the beginning of the episode. A couple that were uh, very interesting to me. Uh, One was from a mother and I'm not going to say her name. uh, Anyway, uh, maybe I will on the next episode, but uh, uh, she reached out to me. And the subject line was, son asked me to reach out. Her son asked her to reach out to me. She says, hello, John. My son asked me to reach out to you. So here I am. He has been listening to your podcast. Please read through the, through the below and let me know if there's anything I can do or help get done. And so this is from the son and the son says, Hey mom, are you still sick? I've been worried about you. COVID it seems is such a hit and miss when it comes to the severity of it. Let me know how you're doing, please. Same old, same old here. I've been listening to a podcast here in prison and uh, they have on our tablets and it's called Sober Speak. They are a podcast with people as guest speakers, as well as recordings of speaker meetings. I've been able to, uh, I've been able, I've been to an AA meeting in the past and didn't even do the step work. I've never actually followed through with the steps ever through listening to these guys on the podcast. She's talking about, he's talking about sober speak. I've come to realize what I'm truly dealing with when it comes to my addiction. A statement in the AA book totally hit me between the eyes. It says, quote, if when you, I'll read his name, Lance, which he wrote in there, honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely. Uh, That means I say to myself and others, I'll never do it again. Or, uh, and if you want, and if you was to hook me up to a lie detector test, I would say I was telling the truth, unquotes, or now he's reading back. Now this is a quote from the big book back to it. Or if when you, or if when drinking or drugging, you have little control over the amount you take, you are probably alcoholic. And that's from the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous, page 44. Lance says, I totally get this statement. Lance, I hope you're listening to this now because it really meant a lot to me and I'm glad you had your mom uh, uh, reach out to me. He says, I totally get this statement. Mom, how many times have I said I'm done and this is how I'm going to stay done? And so many times I've told myself, I'm just going to do it just this one time. And the next thing we know is where Lance is, I've disappeared. I can't stop it. I can't stop at or at just one 
or once, and when I do, I get to a low spot and I say, I'm done for good, and I can't seem to stick to it. The book and these guys on the podcast totally explain who I am and what I have to do if I want to stay sober. And it's not just be sober, but I have to have a life beyond what I think is possible. I've been so depressed and feeling completely hopeless during this incarceration. And then I start listening to this podcast and reading the AA book, and I understand why I do what I do. I see now there is hope for guys just like me, but only if you do the work and follow the steps. If you are comfortable with it, and if you're feeling better and can do me a favor and send a message to John as Sober Speak on my, by, on my behalf, I would appreciate it. His info is John, J-O-H-N, at SoberSpeak.com. And then he gives uh, a... Uh, a link to my website too. And then he goes on and he says, I want to make contact with John and ask him if I could contact Charlie P, Marty C, or Brian P about us getting in touch via tablet or a collect call from prison. I have four months left to get started and I want to get started on the step work before I get out of prison. Mom, feel free to share with them the email I sent you. I love you, Mom. And so his mom got in touch with me and I've been uh, working in the background here uh, to get um, Lance and t- it, it's not as easy as just sending out an email or a, a phone number, but I'm working with his mom and we're going to get uh, uh, Lance in touch with uh, either Charlie or Marty or Brian uh, or all three of them and uh, get him started on the steps before he gets out. And uh, wow, uh, you know, I was just, I was blown away by that. And I appreciate you contacting your mom to reach out to me, Lance, and God bless you. And once again, I hope you're listening to this. Uh, keep the faith, my friend. And we're going to get somebody in touch with you there. Okay, so we got a review on Apple Podcast. Uh, this always seems to help in terms of the listens and stuff like that. And the and the title of the review is "Love Your Interviews," and uh, this is from somebody named Troutdale Mayor. That's their their handle on Apple Podcast, and he says, uh, or he or she, I don't know. The, they say your approach is great. Your voice is soothing and kind, and your questions are good. Bless you and your podcast. Keep on keeping on. Troutdale Mayor. Well, thank you, Troutdale Mayor. We appreciate you putting that review out there on Apple Podcasts. And if you're out there and you can throw us a review, good or bad, I don't care. You could just uh, put something out there for us. Uh, I would love to hear from you via the social podcast out there. All right, here's one more, and then we're going to get on to Earl, and I'll have plenty of other uh, uh, listener feedback on the end of this, but Michelle writes in, and Michelle says, Hi, John. It's Michelle P. from South Australia. She says, I'm an alcoholic, and my sobriety date is 1-24-22. She says, at 53 years of age, I have a long history of drinking and a short history of recovery. And then she says, I must pre-warn you, the words love and thank you are going to be scattered ad nauseum throughout this message. (laughs) 
Thank you so much for the time and effort your wife and helpers put into producing Sober Speak. I was lucky to stumble across it when searching Spotify for, quote, anything that could help me stay sober and keep my early alcoholic head in the game. I love your conversational interviewing style, and I love, in big capital letters, your laugh. (laughs) Don't stop being yourself. I don't know how many times I've smiled or laughed uh, along with you. I'm currently up to episode number 64 and quite honestly cannot pick out an individual guest or episode highlight because I have received grace and wisdom from each and every single one. This podcast is a necessary accessory to my AA meetings. I like that, necessary accessory. Anyway, she says, uh, to my AA meetings, sponsor and God. I have followed other recovery podcasts on Spotify so they are because they are easily accessible, but I haven't listened to a single one yet Uh, because I love you so much. As is so often voiced, I too feel a breathe breathe a sigh of relief, relaxation, and recognition every time I walk into an AA meeting or tune into your podcast. I think recovering and recovered alkies, (laughs) by the way, we must be the only one who used that term, alkies, uh, are the most interesting and best bunch of people on earth, even though we're not so much fun when in the grips of active addiction. I agree there, Michelle. She says, I know I have two more items added to my bucket list now. I want to attend a Frisco meeting (laughs) in the trailer. She's talking about my home group. Uh, that'd be great. Well, we would love to see you, Michelle. And two, to attend the Cresta Butte Mountain Conference in Colorado. Yes, uh, that's a, it's a wonderful place to be. And um, as you know, I've talked about it many times on the podcast. And they were down for the last couple of years because of the pandemic, but they're quick kicking back up now. She says, as a final aside, I have a Bjorn... <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's from Sweden by his accent in my weekly step meetings, and he pronounces his name Byram. (laughs) Laugh out loud. She's talking about all the the Bjorns that have written into the show before, and I'm like, does everybody in Sweden name Bjorn? (laughs) But anyway, apparently there's an... uh, So he pronounces his name. Let me read this. B Y. U-R-N. So that'd be Byron, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Laugh out loud. But anyway, uh, that's funny. She says, thank you, thank you, thank you. Love, love, love your podcast. Uh, I'd put the namaste hands in here if I could find the emoji button. (laughs) Big smiley face. Well, thank you, Michelle. I appreciate that very much. I really got a, a kick out of that and it lightened my heart. All right, everybody. Now, on to the main event, if you will, Mr. Earl H. This is the third time we've had Earl H. on the pod. And if you haven't heard his previous episodes, it's episode number 235 and 236. You can go back and listen to him. But this one is called The Journey is the Destination. We discuss the theory of chop wood carry water and what that means to Earl. Earl talks about, quote, riding the cot 
And I love that. I'd never heard that term before, but he'll explain what it means. Uh, he talks about how the key to life is turning around with what you learn and giving it to others and focusing on the now. And he talks about much, much more. All right, everybody, sit back, enjoy the episode, and we will have plenty more of listener feedback on the end of this episode. Enjoy. Okay, everybody. So today we're sitting here with Earl. H, uno mas tiempo, one more time, and Earl, I am going to have you go ahead, introduce yourself, give your sobriety date if you wish, and tell people where you live, please. Um, my name's Earl, and I am, uh, uh, my sobriety date is 11-6-1980, and I live in uh, Vista Oceanside area of California. Yeah, that's that's near San Diego. Am I right about that? I'm about forty five minutes north of San Diego. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had an aunt who lived in uh, Solana Beach, and I used uh-huh. to go out there to visit her on a fairly consistent basis. I'm somewhat familiar with the area. I love it. I love it down here. It's down here to me because I'm an LA boy. I was born and raised in LA, and then uh, spent most of my life there, and then moved to Scottsdale, Arizona. Cause I'm a plant guy. I love the plants, right? And my wife was getting tired of the crush of L.A., so we moved. <laughs> Our backyard was the Sonora Desert, you know, so we, we just um, tripped on the desert, very spiritual place, for six years. And uh, then one day at about 122 degrees, my wife looked at me and said, I think we need to go now. And I said, <laughs> done, darling, done. <laughs> and... Uh, Two months later, I was living in Oceanside with, uh, you know, ocean breezes flowing through the house and, and in heaven. I'm, I could not be happier to be where I am. I'm in the right place with the right woman at the right time in my life. That's the trifecta, brother, right there. That's, you, can't, you can't outgun that. That's for me. That's, you know, yeah. And I, and I have two German shepherds running around. And I got a big garden in the back, you know, so I'm wandering around in the plants and they're the plant, I mean, we got that, that thing going, you know, they're, they're breathing in the carbon dioxide, breathing out the oxygen. I'm over here breathing in the oxygen and breathing out the carbon dioxide. I mean, we're working together back there, right? We, you know, we're in complete support of one another's right to be here and enjoy this, you know, beautiful day. It's so, Do you think this is where you will spend your remaining days? Yeah, as you- and you can tell, you know, the way I talk about plants, it, Evidence why some people say I took a little too much LSD back in the day, but <laughs> you know, it, there's it's all scientific, science based information that I'm passing on here. You know, that's, that's the plant. The plant life is uh, um, critical to our existence. If people can't see it, but you've got a uh, that's like a California brand on your hat, right there. The yeah, RVCA. R- R- if I'm I've not taken in my in my old age to wearing baseball caps, not because I don't have a full head of hair, I do, but you know, um, I uh, um, I've decided that uh, a- a- anytime I can do anything to uh, protect myself from the sun, I do it. Yeah. I've learned my lesson, man. I don't mess with that melanoma anymore. Yeah. So, and just to kind of an update, we were talking about that a little bit before we started. Uh, our first conversation that we had, you were really coming out of uh, uh, some pretty heavy treatment. I got bit again. I get 
back in when I was in my twenties, I got diagnosed with malignant melanoma and did major surgery on my back and told me to get my affairs in order and all that. And uh, I beat it back then, but I go every six months to get my get checked. And I got checked last time I went in. I got checked. It, it uh, wasn't good news, and I had to uh, do chemotherapy treatments on my face for uh, four weeks. And uh, um, not a pleasant experience, <laughs> to say the yeah. least. But uh, um, got through it fine. You know, and, and like some of my friends, particularly female friends, say, look at me and say, you know, your skin looks so good. What are you doing? And I said, well, you know, I, <laughs> I did it like, and he's like, oh, you like a peel? And I go, well, I guess sort of like a peel, but no, not, it wasn't vanity based. <laughs> you know? Right. And I said, yeah, my skin looks good because it's new. Because I burned off all the old skin, <laughs> so I guess that's that's you know if you, you go through the torture of that experience, you come out of it you know looking significantly younger than you are. <laughs> you know, I'm 69. My face is is eight months old. Uh, you know. <laughs> You're 69. Yeah, I'll be 70 this year. Wow. Yeah, I know. I know. You don't look sixty nine. Credit for it. I try. I try to take good care of myself, but it's mostly genetics, you know, and the fact that heroin is an outstanding preserver. I mean, you know, when you <laughs> when your heart's beating twice a minute for a couple of decades, you know what I mean. You don't. It slows that aging process down. Not that I recommend that, boys and girls. Right. Just go ahead and age gracefully. <laughs> don't be an idiot like me. <laughs> All right, so um, I feel like this is where I should say and say in school or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's you know, like me giving out good advice. It's like, no, no, no. Best advice, children, is not to listen to me at all. That's the best advice. <laughs> <laughs> so I told you that one of my my favorite line from the last time that we got together yeah. was you saying that you want your a grave or your uh, to say that your tombstone to say uh right here lies the husk of yeah. Earl H. Right. There's nothing left. And, and nothing to see here. He's all used up. It, I, I don't want to leave any life on the table, you know? I wanna I was given a life, which is a remarkable thing. I mean there's no overstating the magnificence of living a living a human life, you know, and doing your you know doing your best to live it well. Um, and let's go ahead and tell people we have a guest in in the background there. Am I right? Yeah, I got that's Is those it, German shepherds. Those two up. German shepherds. Acting oh, you're up. walking over there, <laughs> and that's okay. I just I, I uh, uh, there you you have it. Okay. No more interruptions. This is what we call keeping it real. That's it. We're good. Um, but you had said you wanted to start, um, I guess, pick it back up at... at uh, yeah. Well, the first time we got together, we kind of went through some of your... The first part of your story really quick. Uh, and I want to go back to that time where, you know... So, first of all, if you haven't heard Earl's first couple of episodes, go back there and listen. He's no, got, there's only one, isn't there? No, there's two. Well, that You broke that into two? Well, we, we recorded twice. I, I came back. We we did it once, and then we did it another. 
I don't. So that shows you now. I'm, now you can tell I'm six and nine. Cause it, I remember. <laughs> no, I promise you. We we came back and we did it again. Great. Uh, uh, I got two uh, in uh, the bag, and I thought. Right, oh. right, right. Yeah. So so you got two, the and gift. so you go back and listen to both of Earl's uh, episodes, and uh, but on the first episode we talked about we talked about the plane crash and how about that was your, your 22nd birthday. Is that right? Yes. But the part that we really didn't cover very much was the part from on your birthday to however, I think it was like 12 more years or something before you got into Alcoholics Anonymous. Let's let's see. Um, It was nine years. Okay. Nine years. Uh, uh, Let's see. Seven. No, six years. It was six years. Almost to the day. And you came back like they had you in a body cast. On November 6th. No, yes. November 7th, 1974. That's my natal birthday, November 7th, right? In 1980, it's only six years later, really, right? From 1983 or seven years, right? On November 6th, the day before my natal birthday, I got sober. So November 6th is my sobriety day. November 7th is my natal birthday. And people I ask me from time to time, why didn't you just wait and get sober the next day? You know, you, 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 November 7th would be your big day, right? And my honest answer to that is I did not know it was November. I didn't know it was November when I got wow. sober. I didn't know what day it was. I didn't know what week and what month. I, you know, I'd just been, I was at the end, the very end of a six-year run that com- just absolutely decimated my life inside and out. I was destroyed. And I mean, you know, I got carried in here. I, you know, I didn't come in willingly. I, I came out of a blackout and it was bad but anyway the the i'm back going back to the to the crash you know when i woke up and and you know every bone in my body was broken i paralyzed from the waist down the only thing i can move is my right arm and my i can see my my mother my little sister and my father all around me um and kimberly my little sister was already gone but my parents were both in you know the last the last moments of life and I couldn't do anything to help them. I just laid there and watched them all bleed to death right in front of me. And it was, it was like my body took over, uh, my brain took over and just threw me into shock, right? And shut me down. I mean, just to protect me from what was happening. Like, he's going to need a little time to, to sort this out, right? And it just, you know, I, I, severed in a relationship I had with a higher power. I, you know, um, some guys came up and scavenged the plane wreck and then left me there to die. So, you know, I severed my relationship with the human race. I had no love of man, no love of God, you know, some other guys came up and brought me down and tagged my family dead, tagged me dead, waited. that I didn't die. They took, eventually took me to a hospital, um, in Los Mochas, Mexico. And, the federales found out I was that there, and they came and interrogated me for three and a half days, wanting to know what I was doing back in Mexico because I had some little issues with the Mexican government, and uh, <laughs> that uh, we're not going to put on this tape. And I, uh, um, 
called some buddies in Northern Cal up in Northern California who flew down and they plastered me from the, the neck to the hips, you know, put me on a plane, smuggled me out of Mexico. And I spent a long time in a hospital in, in uh, Southern California, you know, healing a, you know, a lot of, so really busted up and uh, came out of there in a back brace and a cane and still had a cast on my leg. And um, I went on my last run and it lasted for six years. And I mean, just, you know, full on for six years. I had no, mo most people I think that, that I've experienced have had some kind of anchor or breaking system, you know, in their attempts to address their addiction. You know, they, 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 they have a family. They try to hold it together for their family. I didn't have one. They tried to hold together for a wife or kids or a career or some vision of a, of a, of a, of a future that they hold. And, and I had nothing like that. You know, I was just trying to blot out the intolerable nature of my existence to quote a book we're familiar with. And, that's all I had, you know, um, and I knew it was going to kill me. And I, you know, so what? Um, because it just felt so much that on my birthday, you know, as we're flying to Mexico to put our family back together, I hadn't had, I'd been estranged from my family for 10 years prior to that plane flight. And my mother had demanded this coming together on my birthday to put our family back together. And then we crash and everybody dies and, and, you know, to me, that was the universe saying, no, you don't get what other people get. It was just this crushing um, denial, you know, that, no, you, you don't get those things. You don't get family, community. Loving and being loved; those those are not things for you, Earl. You uh, are a problem, and that's all you'll ever be. So I spent the next six years saying, "Okay, you think you've seen a problem? <laughs> Get a load of this, right?" And you know, uh, I I took it right to the the brink and came out of my last blackout. And, um, you know, family was dead. I had no friends. I had no place to live. Um, I'd broken 74 bones at that point. I had over 650 stitches in me. I'd been stabbed a couple of times. I'd been shot at a few times. Um, and they were deciding whether or not to charge me with the attempted murder of David Luboff. Right. And both my hands were broken at the time. I was yellow. My thyroid had shut down. I mean, my liver and my kidneys were blown, you know, um, I was dying of alcoholism and I had what they call a moment of clarity. And I just, I tapped out. Man. I just said, I can't do this anymore. Please help me. And there was somebody in the room that heard that and knew those are the magic words. And they, instead of throwing me in the police car, they threw me in the ambulance and off I went to begin my recovery. Not knowing that at the time, but ended up at, at a place, got my stomach pumped. They said, get him out of here because not good. And they took me to a hospital and I, and I stayed three to five days. I'm not sure. And just kept getting worse. And they took me by ambulance to a place called Long Beach General Hospital, which doesn't exist anymore. But the detox there was 42 old army cots, 21 army cots on each side of the room with sheets drawn between them. And how you kicked, it was called riding the cot. And you just jumped in and held on for dear life. And I spent 47 days in that cot. So I spent a total of 
about 52 days detoxing and left because they said, look, we need the cot, man, you know? <laughs> and and they, they said, if you don't want to die, you should go to AA because the only place a guy like you has got a prayer. And even in the, all everything I'd been through, when they said, you got to go to AA, I thought, really? God, I didn't know it got that bad. And, <laughs> you know, I, that Friday, I ended up in the basement of a church, Friday night, sitting in the back of the room, hair down to my elbows, mad dogging everybody, you know, it's just stay away. I don't like people, you know, and if you get over here, you're going to find out you don't like me, right? So let's leave, let's leave it alone. Guy got up and shared his experience, strength, and hope, and I heard him. I heard him. He talked about what it was like. And I went, yeah, it was, wasn't it? And he talked about something that happened. And I said, yeah, it happened in a blackout for me. So I'm not really sure what happened, but something did. Because I went into the blackout, drinking myself to death. And I came out of the blackout, tapping out. Unable to carry on. So something happened, and I don't know what it was. The willingness to say help, to ask for help. I don't know where that came from. And... Then he talked about how wonderful his life was now. And I went, well, no, that you lost me now because I got none of that. But what I heard was come back. So I did. And I've never left. And it's been 41 years that I have been a member in good standing with a particular community. And um, I think that it's important. And that was six, first two and a half years. And it never took a chip, you know, didn't take a cake till I was three. Um, people think of me now as I, you know, for the last 30 years, I've been speaking all over the world and speaking all the time. And, you know, I, uh, people think that this is the, 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 the me I've always been, you know, and it's just couldn't be further from the truth. I was abs I was terrified of speaking a good 15 years into doing it, but I wouldn't do it um, initially until my sponsor told me, you know, you don't turn down a request in here. This was a gift. Don't, I don't know what the term is. Don't, yeah, well, don't, you know, don't assume that it's yours for the taking, you know, as is, as is it, as is convenient for you. Um, a request is made. You say yes. That's what you do. Um, cause without these people, you're dead. And you know, I knew that was true. So I just said yes all the time. And you know, that's ended up here. And what, what I know about now is that now is the accumulation of all that has been. That's all now ever is. You know, in, and when they said in the beginning, chop the wood and carry the water, and the, it, the rest, it'll work itself out, I thought, that's what I want to do. Is, is Actually, I never heard anybody put it that way, but that's how it felt to me what they were saying was, just chop the wood and carry the water, man. Just do the basic things they ask you to do here. There's four things they ask you to do. They, they ask you to go to regular meetings regularly, so you're not anonymous in here. You're known in here. You get known in here. You have a home group. You have a. You become a part of a community. The thing that I thought I could never have was being offered to me without my knowing it, right? So go to regular meetings regularly. Get a sponsor. 
Second thing, get a guide. Get somebody who can walk you through the central core elements of what this path is about. You know, what is the foundation of this path, right? This mystical, metaphysical, spiritual path, right? Um, work that process that's laid at your feet. Like a text, work at it, learn it, study it, question it, talk about it. And then the last thing you do is when you've had the awakening that comes from doing that, turn around and give it to other people. Right? The simplest way, obviously, was that, you know, we talked about before was the things that Franklin W. told me was trust God, clean house, help others. Because those are the three relationships that you have. One requires a faith in something beyond self. You know, the second one requires that, you know, you focus on doing, being, bringing the best of who you are to what you do, right? People always ask me, you know, they say, you know, live a spiritual life. Well, how do you do that? Or how do you improve your conscious contact with God? And I got answers to both of those questions, which I never thought I would. Um, You live a spiritual life, uh, do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. Just start there. And, and. A spiritual life will unfold, right? And um, how do you improve your conscious contact with God? Uh, if you believe in God, um, a way to you know, gr- great. If you don't, that's okay too. You know, uh, you could just just know that there's consciousness beyond your own that is outside of you that is benevolent. You know, and, and at at work. Obviously, each of us is not in charge of the universe. Something's holding all this together. And if you can just get out of yourself and allow that you're not God, that it must be something outside of self, or that if there's no God, there certainly are powers greater than you, nature, all kinds of things you can point to, right? And to trust God, clean house, and then and help others. And just get out of yourself and be a service to other people. And watch what happens when you do that. Something outside of yourself will make itself known in that exchange, in that kind of process, in doing that, in taking So I found that all to be true in this community. And the, the, the one thing you said to me before we started that I had mentioned, you know, it's not uh, that, that, the des- that the journey is the destination. And what I meant by that, that's a, very common, well-known thing. I don't know who that's attributed to, but you know, someone far brighter than myself. But it, it, that the journey is the destination. I love that so much because it's what I'd said before that the the it now is nothing more than the the accumulation of all that has been before that this moment, right? That. Well, if that's the case, then the journey has been the life, the destination. You don't live the destination. You live the journey. That's where you breathe in what you, what, what you find to be just and pure and loving and kind and supportive and uh, of, of those things that bring about awakening or, or expansion of consciousness, right? And you and leave the less leave the rest of it on the side of the road and and move 
keep moving, man, you know, and carry with you what you find. You know, that's what we do, whether we think about it or not. We grab little pieces of experience and, you know, gauge our behavior and how we interact and with whom we interact based on those experiences. And the more you do that, I think, the more well-defined each individual's path becomes and the more committed you become. I mean, what I've learned is this, is that if I do that, if I focus on the journey, if, if all I, I don't worry about, well, yeah, what are they going to say about me when it's all through? And, and instead, I, I, want, I worry about how I treat people today, how I uh, contribute today how I engage today. If I foc- if I stay focused on now, chop this wood, carry this water, I can have no greater impact on all that will come. I will be bringing as much as I can forward into the life that awaits. And 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 that's what I want. So that that's tremendously good news to anybody that's listening to me because what that means is whatever whatever love I know today, there is a greater love ahead, a greater depth of love, of, of experiencing love, of my ability to give love. It, it will be greater with each passing breath. My ability to let you be you and and me be me will grow. Now, the distance between us will slowly stop becoming the thing that separates us, and it will become more and more the thing that connects us. Okay, so I got a question. I, I understand have, I all that. Please ask. <laughs> <laughs> I first of all, let me tell you that after I, I think we were talking off mic after the last time we had finished uh, uh, chatting uh, on the second episode, and you brought up the author of, and I can't pronounce his name, but it's Dick Not Hunt. Yes, thank you very much. So I ordered that book, and I've been reading it lately, uh, and it's a great little book. Uh, I use it for morning meditation. Right. It kind of helps to keep you in the sure. now. It's just like one little, you know, story at a time is great. And the reason I'm bringing that up is because I'll read that and I'm doing well. And I'm wondering in your life, because I know you go through difficult, right? You deal with difficult people all the time. I mean, on yep. a consistent basis. I mean, you're, you're <laughs> running hard in life. I've, I've had some conversations with you and I know you're not a wallflower. You're getting out there and you're going to your living life. When these difficult situations come up, how do you navigate though? You know, I, I mean, cause I understand the concept of living in the now. Can can you like put some uh, a real life example to how one would apply these particular principles in their life? Well, I think when you look at let's say the twelve steps as guidelines, 
they're all about three, it's all about three relationships. Relationships with God, self, and others. That's what the steps are about, right? It's what's the problem, step one. What's the solution to that problem, step two. Should I, what should I do about that, step three. Four and five is about me, scoring it in a way. Six and seven about a power greater than myself, hooking up that relationship, finding a way to maintain that, grow that. And, and the last thing is others, right? Eight and nine. 10, 11, and 12 are me, God, you. They, that's just to keep the ball rolling, keep you in the game, keep it going. You know what I mean? It's not a single pass and off you go. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is, this is a lifetime of, you know, how free do you want to be? You got to keep in the thing. It's why I met, we meditate every morning. It's why we, you know, turn our will and our lives over at the drop of a hat, you know, uh, given any situation. And when I come across dis-ease, uh, uh, the lack of harmony, um, excessive anger, these things. Often, you know, um, like I said, all that I've been, it brings me to now, right? And if I use that experience, that experience, and I listen to the experience of interacting with people for decades, right? I, I may decide that um, I have not been invited into this. This has nothing to do with me. And I just stay out of it. It's People forget that that's actually an option. They said, just stay out of it. Not, my sponsor used to say, oh, we just don't get into it anymore. He used to say that to me all the time because we're the kind of people that just dive into everything that, you know, <laughs> something sparks up and I'm in, you know? And like when I was at Ohio Street, when I was brand new, if a fight broke out, I was moving that way. I was moving <laughs> toward it, you know? And then some guy grabbed me for the shirt and go, we don't, that's the boat we do. Or I go, oh. Right? Because... Instinctively, you know, you know that a fight would break out. That would scare me. And if you scared me, I'm going to attack whatever is frightening me. And that was who I was. And it was only in here that, you know, guys were going. Mm. And I, I remember the day where a guy walked by me and said something that wasn't cool to me outside of meeting. And I just kind of went, have a good night, bro. And this guy sitting next to me goes, very smooth, dude. <laughs> Looked at him and I went, really? You, thank you. You know, I didn't think any, they'd all think what a punk I was, right? And, and right away I got positive feedback on letting it slide, just not getting into it, right? And I called up my sponsor really excited. This thing happened and I didn't get into it. And he goes, really, what, a medal now we should give you? Like, <laughs> I was like, oh, that's not special behavior. That's just decent behavior. <laughs> so there's that, that, that choice that I have. There's also, you know, can I help? Because if I'm going to enter into a situation where I, let's say I've got somebody who's in active addiction and, you know, the family has asked me to assist them in that. I always tell the family, I said, well, First of all, let's go tell them the truth, but let's do make sure we do that in a loving and respectful way because there's no need to talk to anybody any other way than that, lovingly and respectfully. 
He has, this person isn't doing anything wrong. They're suffering from an illness. And we can separate out the man from the illness. We don't punish the man for having the illness. We don't do that. You know, your son doesn't walk in the door and say, I've got, I got a cold at school today. And you don't just fall back and slap him across the face and go, what do you mean bringing a cold into this house? <laughs> not what we do. And you shouldn't do that to somebody who suffers from this illness any more than you would do that to anybody else, right? So lovingly, we just go, Here, here's the truth, you know? This is what's going on. We know what it is, you know? And we know you know what it is too. And we know what we're asking is hard, but we need to do something about it. You just tell the truth and you do it in a loving, respectful way, but you also do it based in the knowledge of that over that time, you learn how that brain works. That, you know, like one of the first things I tell families when I'm helping them is stop trying to have a rational conversation with an irrational person. That's just a complete waste of time, and it annoys everyone, including the person you're trying to talk to. Stop. <laughs> because if he could stop, you can bet everything you've got, he would. He can't. That's the definition of addiction. Given a good reason to stop, we can't. So stop trying to get him to listen to reason. He can hear it. He just can't do it. So what we need, knowing that based on all this past experience, we need to bring into this moment that understanding and express that. Let them know. We know we're asking something hard. And if, we could, if there was an easier way to do it, trust me, we'd be going that way. But there isn't. We've learned over a long, long time, abstinence is the best path. And everybody says to me, yeah, what about medication-assisted treatment? You're anti-medication. No, I'm not. You want to try medication? You go ahead. Most addicts love it because for them, you're just, you're one more time, you're telling them that the answer is in a pill, which I think is a bad idea. I get it that some people just can't get to that abstinence from addiction to detox to abstinence. They can't do that. I get it. So you got to add another step. So there's there's there are certain medications that are prescribed to assist addicts early in reco the recovery process. Mm -hmm. It's not the recovery experience yet. It's the recovery process, right? We're getting, we're going to get there, and and I don't have any problem with that as long as the end goal remains abstinent, sober. That that sober it means abstinent from all mind altering medications, right? Now, grant two things. One, um, I believe that because I believe every addict and alcoholic should have a shot at freedom. You should give every person get cleaning up in that process. You should give them the option of taking a shot at that, at getting to that. We shouldn't give up on them so quick and go, oh, well, you know, the odds with fentanyl are really slim or with heroin, like, you know, this, that, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Show me an easy one. They're all hard one way or another. Mm -hmm. Right. And we have the communities to support you while you go through that process that understand it based on experience, not what they've read. Not based on scientific protocols, but, but experience. Um, 
I just think that it's it's important to give everybody that shot, to give them that shot. So that's that's the work that I do, and, and you know, and and I'm not anti medic. Like I said, I'm not I'm not anti medication. I just think that if that's the the end goal, that's a shame. So go back to the journey as the destination. Well, that that this is that. To my thinking, there is no going back to it ever. You're always in the journey. And no matter where you are, you'll soon be leaving. It's where you are isn't the destination. When when your heart stops beating, you've arrived. (laughs) You made it. (laughs) That's right. The destination. You know, and uh, if you look at it that way, Life is a wonder all the way through that gets increasingly more interesting and intricate and enjoyable. You know, if you're, if you're open to the good things in life, they're all around you. You, you, right. Oh, I, I remember I was some, I was, I said two things and we talked about one and then I wandered off down another road. Right. Okay, I'm going to take a left turn, get back on that other path, and move forward. And the other thing was, um, I live in the real world, and I know that you know there's a lot of people. We, people are getting old, sober now. You know, and this is really people didn't used to get like that because people, you know, in in the old days, people, you know, drank themselves to a point of you know have, have destroyed their bodies, came in in their 40s, 50s, you know, on average, right stayed sober for 20 years maybe if they were lucky and with the rare occasion of you know an old timer living the into their 90s more genetics than anything else and then dropping off these days uh, the majority of people um are staying sober into into age groups where you develop all kinds of other problems the problems that come with aging Right, they develop arthritis. They develop uh, um, mental acuity difficulties. They develop uh, um, other issues and concerns that come with getting old. You know, as the body starts to slowly depart from the process, (laughs) right? And we have science has presents us with medications to allow those people to stay in life, to not become homebound, to not become so depressed over what they're experiencing that they commit suicide. You know, I mean, medications that allow people to be in life and in the world. And I have no objection to that either. I don't think those people are loaded because I think sobriety is a question of intent. Is it your intention to be sober? Yes. Are you taking this medication to to check out? No. All right. Just do. Did you tell the doctor you were an addict? Yes. Is that the only doctor you're seeing? Yes. Are you taking the medication as prescribed? Yes. See you at the meeting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, right. I think anything other than that is just being an ass. It's being a rigid, foolish man, unwilling to look at life on life's terms. 
not our terms. You know, uh, I, I find it really funny that how some people seem to feel that on in some way, shape, or form we're in charge. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't get that. I don't see the evidence of it. I don't know how you come to that conclusion. It's out of some warped need to be more important than you are. Why? Why would you want that? <laughs> keeping me inside the lines is a full-time job (laughs) i got no time to be getting into your business and what you should be doing (laughs) other people can say i don't agree with the thing you've said my response to that is cool all power to you go do it your way if you want to tell me what you think is a better way i'm all ears I am. I'm all ears. Uh, You're going to improve my view of life? Hit me. Let's get after it. I want to hear that. Because along my path, my view has changed many times. Mm -hmm. When somebody, some, I'll be sitting out there with 30 years clean. Somebody gets up with two and a half years and talks about, Something that I've, you know, been teaching for, you know, 20 and, oh, I got to start over. Right, right. It just blew the top of my head off. I went and spoke yeah. in a prison one time. And a guy that was doing 30 years got up and talked about one of the promises, of a new freedom and a new happiness and changed my game. A guy locked up for 30 years taught me about freedom. Mm-hmm. Come on. Mm-hmm. You walked, I walked out of that prison going, everybody stay alert because at any second, somebody could pop out of the woods here or something and <laughs> hit us with something like that. Cause you never know where it's going to come from. So keep your head on a swivel cause it's coming. The enlightenment is out there everywhere. Can you see it? Can you hear it? Can you internalize it? And then can you manifest it? It's, you know, stay alert because life is popping, man. Something you had said on one of our previous episodes caught my attention. And it's actually been, I've been ruminating with it over the last uh, few weeks. And that is, you said you finally realized at some point that you were a, uh, I forget exactly how you scri- described it, but a type A person, right? You're charging hard. You're going to, you know, there's just who you are. And, and, and I, I was curious about when, if there was some moment in time, some marker to where you go, this is who I am. This is, you know, I need to be this person in order to be satisfied, so to speak. Yes, I'm a type A dominant male. I, 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 I am. And um, I had this pointed out to me because at times dealing with a person like me, if, if you take the bridle off me or I get that bit in my teeth, as country folk will say, <laughs> right, <laughs> where you can't rein me in, I can get rolling and just roll right over people. And my personality is big. I am told, 
repeatedly, right? I have a big personality and I, and I have a lot, and I have a lot of energy and I push that energy out into the world. Initially that was, that was driven by fear because I was a fear-based man. So I came roaring at life from a place of fear, which brought out a lot of anger, a lot of violence, a lot of things that I do not want to be. And so my surrender wasn't to become different than what I am, something other than what I am by my nature, but to redirect the energy of who and what I am and how I engage outside of self with, with the world. So I had to work a lot on listening. I still have to work a lot on interrupting because people will say something and halfway through their first sentence, I know what they're talking about. I go, oh, I got it. I know what you're talking about. You're talking about... And they're looking at me like, can I finish my sentence, please? <laughs> I'm like, sorry, please continue. And I have to let people, you know, and I've learned, I've learned, I'm, I'm much better at listening now than I've ever been. Um, and I still have a lot of work to do. Um, I'm, I've learned that it's fine to be the way I am when it's properly directed, when it's properly executed, you know, um, it has its value. I've also learned how to be quiet and am comfortable being alone and being quiet and, and not talking. I stopped speaking for six and a half years. Didn't say a word. Went to meetings, listened, put chairs away, went home. Sponsored guys, you know, a good AA foot soldier. No speaking for six and a half years because that Earl H thing got just stupid, you know, and it was like the, people like watching me start talking about this and get excited about this thing because I, I am genuinely excited about the possibilities here for people, you know, that if people could, if there's a new guy in the room, if he could see how vibrant and alive and crazy and wild and, and, and beautiful this thing can be, they might come this way. They might come this way. And it, 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 it got to where I, I was expected to be that guy and, and not me. And so I went from being Earl H to being Earl. When you asked me to introduce myself, I introduced myself as Earl, right? Because when I started speaking again, it was at sponsor direction because I'd kept my sponsor. But I was very comfortable not speaking. I was very comfortable not being Earl H, you know, very comfortable. And now they've asked me to do this, and I'm comfortable, you know, speaking again. I'm comfortable doing that. Um, I do what I'm asked to do. I'm a servant. I'm not in charge. Uh, you know, I, that's why I have the kind of, I've had three sponsors, right? One, first one died. The second one, um, I moved away from the area. And then I got my third one and I don't care where anybody goes. I'm sticking with him. <laughs> right. And because he's the samurai, man, he's, he, he, he knows the, the, the power and the strength of being a gentleman. And yeah, that's what I want to be, you know, when I grow up.
We'll keep you posted on that growing up part too. <laughs> That's a, me and you too. Me, me as well, brother. All right. Well, I am going to wrap this one up. We're going to read from page 164 of the big book. And it says, abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. He's mouthing it over here while I'm saying it. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us, like me and Earl. As you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God God bless you and keep you until then. Keep coming back, right? Mr. Earl, it's been fantastic once again. We'll get you back on again. Uh, I'll talk to you a little bit after this about getting back on the schedule if you want to, okay? Sure, brother. It's a pleasure. Keep doing your work. It's good stuff. Thank you so much, Earl. All right, man. Talk soon. As always, it is a treat to have Mr. Earl H., on the podcast um and if you would please remember we do not want you sharing your gossip but we would love for you to share this episode so pause your device and press that little share button share it with a friend or family member it may be just what they need today and i'm gonna have earl back on uh soon i just got to get him on the schedule and uh i'm looking forward to uh following up uh, our, our conversation with him all right, now on to a little bit more of listener feedback. Uh, like I said, I'm uh, uh, catching up here. Judy writes in, and Judy says, John M., hello from North Carolina. She said, I just recently found your podcast, and I love it. I'm five weeks sober, so I'm a newbie. I'm encouraged by the stories I hear on your pod and appreciate you for putting them out there. I listen daily as my work requires much travel. Thanks for all you do. Keep inspiring us. Peace to you, Judy W. With Judy W., peace right back out to you in North Carolina there, and I'm glad that we're along for you during during your travels. Kelsey posted this actually in the uh, Super Secret Facebook group, and this was not to me. It was just a post to the all of the other uh, uh, people that are in the Facebook group. By the way, if you're not in the Facebook group and you'd like to be there, go to your Facebook application and look us up. It's a Super secret, no, no, not super. We call it the super secret Facebook group. But if you look it up in uh, uh, just the the Facebook group, it is the Sober Speak Secret Group. Look us up there, ask for admission, and we'll let you on in there. But anyway, Kelsey posted this in the Facebook group, and uh, uh, she said, I just saw the lineup of speakers for the Maryland State Convention. When I saw Gary Kay's name, my face lit up, my face lit up and I'm so excited. She lives out there in this area, in that area. She said, I loved his episodes on the podcast, and I can't wait to hear him in person. Love this podcast. Well, Kelsey, enjoy seeing Mr. Gary Kay. Uh, I know you're going to enjoy that when you see him out there in Maryland. 
Now, Michael J. posted in the Facebook group, and this one was just really cool to me. Michael had a picture of himself outside in a motorcycle helmet with his image kind of obscured. And he wrote in there, he said, uh, he said, I'm riding around with sober speak in my helmet, listening to David G. Step 11. 11. Great way to be celebrating making 11 months. <laughs> I just love the image. He was outside. You could tell, and he was listening to David G. while he's a uh, uh, roaming around in his uh, on his motorcycle. That's fantastic, Michael. Thank you for posting that in the uh, 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 secret in in the Facebook group. Appreciate it. Jonathan writes in, and uh, the subject line is "Thank you" with four exclamation points. And Jonathan says, "John, my name is Jonathan." And I was just released from the Chesapeake Correctional Center in Chesapeake, Virginia. I just wanted to thank you from the bottom of my heart for you and your podcast. We are allowed podcasts, and you know, I'm hearing this more and more often from folks that have been incarcerated, and I just, it just warms my heart. I, I just, I absolutely love it. But anyway, we are allowed podcasts with very limited options, and thank God your Sober Speak was one of them, and I listened to almost every, I listened uh, to almost every one of them that I was allowed to scroll back through. I want to thank you for you and your AA guests. I am just over 90 days sober, and I am excited about AA. I just wanted to reach out to, I just wanted you to know you reached one. (laughs) Oh, Jonathan, that's fantastic, my friend. Keep on keeping on, man. Lots of love, Jonathan S. Well, Jonathan S., love back out to you, and I'm glad that we can be part of your journey, and uh, that's just fantastic. I love to hear it. Bonnie writes in and Bonnie says, Hey, John, thank you for your podcast number 243 and 244. I just discovered uh, Speak today and I've been listening all afternoon while I clean the fridge. So she's cleaning the fridge. Like I've always said, I love to know what people are doing when they are actually listening to this thing. You know, I mean, some are incarcerated and they're listening on a tablet. Some are are cleaning their fridge at home. I I just, I I don't know why. I just... I love hearing about that. But anyway, she says, I seriously, I seriously needed to hear Tim F's story. That's what she's talking about with episodes number 243 and 244. Uh, and, and then she says, in quotes, God, I can't do this anymore. That was the title of the episode. And she says, but I've been praying this for my beloved son. The stories are so authentic and greatly encouraging. I'm so grateful. Please put me on the email list. I need more. Bonnie A. Well, Bonnie, you are on the email list. And if there's anybody else who wants to be on that list out there who's not, just email me at john, J-O-H-N, at soberspeak.com and we can get you on there. Rick writes in, he says, hi, John, I found your podcast. Here's another one. While incarcerated in East Texas, I really appreciate what you are doing. And I have received a whole lot while listening. Thank you, Rick. Well, thank you, Rick. And uh, uh, once again, it just, it just floats my heart 
that this is getting uh, listened to by so many people that are incarcerated. It just, I, I just absolutely love it. And I'd lo- and if you're out there, uh, I'd love to hear from you if you can write in. Thank you. Uh, <clears throat> Mike writes in and he says, hi, John M. I live in Reedsburg, Wisconsin, in a small town with more bars than gas stations. I have been sober for almost 18 years, uh, as long as I don't take a drink before July 4th. Well, my goodness, Mike, uh, congratulations on the 18 years. He says, I recently lost my sponsor who put up with me since I had a moment of clarity back in 2004. He died sober of colon cancer. Oh, Mike. I'm glad. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, I have increased my number of meetings and I've been listening to some different podcasts on my drives to and from work since he passed, trying to get my balance right since his passing. I have to say some of the different things I've found that I enjoy about the Sober Sober Speak podcast the best. I can't say which episode is my favorite because I seem to get something out of of them each time I have listened to it. I look forward to listening to, to more episodes now, and I can also see all the cool things people are doing in the Facebook group. It works if you work at Mike F. Well, Mike F. from Reedsburg, Wisconsin, thank you so much for writing in. I appreciate it. Andy writes in and he says, hi, John, I live in the UK and I am just over a year sober again. I listen to your podcast as my meeting between meetings and I love the shares and your commentary. A big thank you for letting me join the Facebook group, Andy A. Well, Andy A, the pleasure is is all ours. Uh, the thank you is for joining it, not for letting me, not for me letting you join it. We're glad to have you along for the ride, Andy, there in the UK. Appreciate it. Lindsay writes in and she says, Good morning, John M. Lindsay L. here. I'm a blessed and grateful alcoholic with just over one year sobriety, May 27th. It took 15 years of being a functional alcoholic to admit that I was powerless over alcohol, living a life that had become unmanageable. Thank you, God. I live in Houston, Texas. Originally, I was a Canadian who works in the oil patch and the gas industry. I arrived in Houston in 2016 after an eight and a half year assignment in Cairo, Egypt. And by the way, I said she, I believe this is a he, my apologies. Uh, thank you for accepting me into the Sober, Sober Speak secret group. Once again, Lindsay, all the pleasure is all ours. I recently came across the Sober Speak podcast while searching for rec- recovery podcast to take on a vacation. I listened to over 25 episodes while on the two-week vacation, and I really appreciated the meeting between meetings, topics, and speakers. I'm, I'm still listening to two to three episodes a week, which helped the post-vacation hangover blues. Laugh out loud. Have a, have a safe and blessed day, Lindsay L. Well, thank you, Lindsay. Appreciate you writing in. God bless you, my friend. 
Dan writes in and Dan says, hi, John, I hope you're well. My name is Dan C and I'm in Manchester, United Kingdom. Oh, I hear y'all have a good soccer team over there or football team is what they call it, right? Nonetheless, he says, I'm actually in recovery from sexual addiction rather than alcoholism, though my program largely uses the AA Big Book and translates it. I am around four and a half months sober and discovered sober speak through someone in my home group. I gave it a listen and I found I have massively enjoyed it. While the episodes talk about alcoholism, I've found it so relatable and easy to translate into my addiction, just like the big book. I've not listened to many episodes yet, but I've really enjoyed it and resonated with Bill C. and David G. I really connect with their stories and advice. The podcast is is a massive help and joy in my recovery. Thank you for your hard work on it. I I hope this shows how you're not only helping people with alcoholism, but also other addictions. That's cool to know, uh, Dancy. I, I would also like to provide listener feedback for the podcast. Could you please let me know how I can do that? Well, Dan, you just did it. <laughs> this is the listener feedback. It is being read on, the epi- on an episode here. So you have provided it. If you want to do it again, come on back, Mr. Dan. Just write me. And he says, thanks again and kind regards, Dan C. Well, Dan C. in the UK, thank you so much. Chris writes in and she says, oh, I think Chris, I think Chris is a she. Sometimes I get these, uh, you know, uh, uh, what do you call them names that can go either way uh, back and forth, but I think it's a she. Anyway, we'll see here in a second. <laughs> you think I would read some of these before, and I did read some of it before, but it's it's been a long time. Like I said, I'm getting caught up. She says, uh, hello, John. Thanks for welcoming me. I'm Chris from Buffalo, New York. I am so happy to have discovered Sober Speak, I've been listening for the last several weeks and it's really helping me on my journey in sobriety. I started from episode one. Well, God bless you, Chris. She says, uh, there have been a few speakers that have resonated with me more than others, but I would also say that I have identified with each and every speaker in some way or another. This is one of the great things about this program. We don't have to feel alone with our struggle anymore. That's right, Chris. What I can share about recovery thus far is that I learned the hard way that this disease is progressive and it always gets worse, never better. I started my drinking career early at age 11 and alcohol had beaten me up by the time I was 21. I did attend AA at first, which helped, but I drifted away. I did manage to stop drinking for 20 years without going to AA, but ultimately my disease told me I was okay and I picked up again. My marriage failed due to drinking as a result of my years being a dry drunk, and I eventually came back to being a daily drinker during the pandemic. I am very fortunate to have made it back to the rooms of AA when I did, as things were getting bleak. I could not have stopped without help and support I found in the fellowship. It's been about four months now since my first meeting back. I have a lot of work left to do, but there is hope. Thank you for all you do for the community, 
Chris. She says, P.S. My, my career led me to Dallas for a few years in the late 90s. My uh, daughter was actually born in Plano. That's right near where I live. And she says, unfortunately, I never made it to a single meeting while I lived there. It sounds like I should have checked out the group in Frisco with a big smiley face. Well, yeah, I'm sure that would have helped out, Chris. But anyway, thanks for writing in. I do appreciate it. Priscilla writes in and she says, hello, John. This is my second attempt at sobriety. I stayed in Alcoholics Anonymous for five years until 1996 when I stopped attending meetings. Eventually, I resumed drinking and finally stopped on May 16th of 2022. I went back to AA and I've been using meetings between meetings with your podcast during my early days of sobriety. I am listening to podcasts that cover the first three steps and they have been very helpful. For Good for you, Priscilla. Thank you for what you have done for me with this series of podcasts and thank you for listening in, Priscilla. It takes all of of us and I and I'm very appreciative that you are out there. Michael writes in and uh, the uh, subject line is thank you with an exclamation point. And Michael says, John, thank you. Your podcast and the Facebook group and you're reaching out to me via email, etc. I am forever grateful for everything you do. John, my guy, because of what you're doing here, I have been so inspired and touched by so many amazing stories because of stumbling across Sober Speak, Studio A, with a big smiley face. He says, I met a sponsee of your sponsee, laugh out loud, Ricky C, because I had commented a while back about David G, Ricky reached out to me and got me in touch with the Big Book Solutions group on Zoom, where I have been almost daily in attendance since early April. I have gained so much hope and gratitude from all of this. I love that I get to attend regular meetings with this group of lovely folks. They are becoming friends for, for a new life for sure. I get to see Gary K, Ricky R, and a few times recently met David and Sarah and have been in attendance. Dude, <laughs> big smiley face. I can't even comprehend how odd, actually it's God, uh, that this really is. I don't even know uh, if that will make sense. No, it makes sense. I appreciate you, Michael. He says, I feel you're a friend of mine because you're such a big part of my day <laughs> as I do listen on a regular basis. I like it. I like it that much. I live in Michigan and I'm still attending the Fog Lifters. Yes, I remember that. I love that that uh, title name for a uh, for a group uh, and, uh, and cheering every Sunday night at 5 p.m. So if you're out there in the world and you ever go to fog lifters on Sunday night in Michigan at 5 p.m., you look for Michael. Anyway, he says this, tr this fellowship is truly a blessing to all who share it. 
And by the way, dude, I love the feedback and the small chatter times. It makes more like a radio podcast program. <laughs> the interview style is awesome and it brings more to some stories out. Keep doing what you're doing, John. And I bet you keep getting what you're getting one day at a time. Well, yes, sir. That's exactly how it works. Thank you and so much. And God be with you, my friend. Love, Michael J., alcoholic, uh, sober since 713 of 21. Oh, you're coming up on a year also, Mr. Michael J. That's great. Uh, we'll love back out to you, my friend. I appreciate it. And I'm glad you've made all those connections. It takes all of us. Martin writes in and he says, Hi, John. I'm Martin from Bromley, South London, UK. I appreciate all you do on Sober Speak. I found your podcast a great help to me uh, between live meetings and whenever I feel I need the connect, I, I feel the need to connect with the fellowship. I love your speakers and how you interact with them. I especially liked uh, uh, the two part Tim F series, which resonated with me enough to subscribe and put a few quid in the pot. <laughs> Thank you, Martin, for putting a few quid in the pot. I like that. And he says, and I have been in the fellowship for around five years, but I am 10 months in this time around and I'm working the program uh, this time uh, to the full extent and things are going very well. Please keep up the good work on your end and I'll try to keep up the good work on mine. Thanks again, John. Uh, uh, kindest regards, Martin Odat, one day at a time. <laughs> Thank you so much, Martin. I appreciate a quid in the pot. Love that. Raina writes in, Raina says, Hi, John. I am a married mom of four and two fur babies. I live in Spring Grove, Pennsylvania, a very small town near York, Pennsylvania. I have been gratefully sober since September 16th of 2013. I found Sober Speak while taking a break from physical meetings. I felt my emotional sobriety was slipping, and then I dove into another layer of this onion to do some more personal healing. I follow uh, Sobercast on iTunes, and your podcast was suggested as a podcast to follow, and I've been listening ever since. I really enjoyed Tim F. There's Tim F. again. Once again, if you hadn't caught his episodes, I would go back and listen. Blessings, Raina M with a big smiley face. Well, Raina, God bless you, and thank you for writing in. Tyler writes in, and Tyler says, Hi, John. My name is Tyler, and I'm 31 years old. I live in LaSalle, Illinois, and I've been sober 305 days or 10 months in a day. This is the longest I've been uh uh, I've actually been consecutive, con consecutive sober time I've had since I was 10 years old, and it's absolutely wild to think about where I am now. AA, my higher power, whom I choose to call God, has saved my life. 
100%. I love to talk and share my story, and I have my first uh, speaker meeting tonight, and I'm really excited about that. Oh, that sounds cool, Tyler. I hope that went well. I came across your podcast randomly while looking for an AA recovery recovery podcast. I work a lot, seven-day swing shifts, so I can't make it to meetings, and I try to supplement uh, in between with podcasts and friends, Tim F. There's Tim F.'s name again. Was the name again? Was the first speaker I ever listened to on your podcast, Part Two. I loved it right away. I'm listening to Buddy C. right now, and I and I and I'll keep going. Thanks for all you're doing. Keep it up, man, Tyler P. Well, God bless you, Tyler P. I'm glad you were uh, uh, on the right path, my friend. All right, so we have a few DMs here. Uh, and that will be the end of, uh, <laughs> listener feedback for this week. You guys are great. Keep them coming in. Uh, John L DMs on the Insta and he says, I'm finally taking sobriety serious and I'm really enjoying listening to the podcast. Thank you. Good for you, John, John L for taking your sobriety, uh, serious Damien DMs on the Insta. He says, hi, John M. It's a pleasure to be a newcomer and a newcomer on your podcast with clapping hand emojis there. And we're glad to have you, Damien. And finally, Dan DMs on the Insta and he says, thank you, John. I'm glad to hear your content and to remind me that I am powerless over alcohol. We all, well, people like me, the alcoholics, we all need that uh, a reminder, Dan. And thank you for writing in. All right, everybody, that is Uno Mas Semana of Sober Speak. I uh, take this one week at a time. I plan to be back next week. Uh, until then, keep coming back. It works if you work it. And uh, may God bless you and keep you until then. Be well, my friends. Love you.